Well, uh, we're going to start out today, and what I wanted to say as we start out this morning is we are going to talk about darkness, drowning, valleys of life, and the dark moments of life. Are you guys excited about that? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. So we're going to talk about some hard stuff today, and I really do want to encourage you I want to encourage all of us to stick together through this journey because my hope and my prayer, even as I've been preparing this week, is that we would learn and grow through this this chapter of Jonah that we're going to examine because the reality is all of us are going to experience dark moments in our lives. We're going to come to moments that are difficult, that are hard, because they're just an inevitable part of life, right? Life is a journey. It has its ups and downs, and that means there are low points. There are hard things that we have to go through. And I feel like as we look at Jonah's life, as we're going to this morning, we have a lot that we can glean and learn about how we can and should respond to God. And so that's my my hope and challenge for myself and my hope and challenge for you guys too. So we are looking at Jonah and we are looking at what I would describe as the darkest moment in his life. I don't know his full life story, but I would guess that there probably isn't something that trumped this later in his life. This was probably the hardest moment in his life. And we've been talking about Jonah because he's part of this series that we're doing. We're doing a four-week series on the book of Jonah, and we're just taking it chapter by chapter. There's four chapters, and this week we have chapter two. But I really quickly want to recap chapter one because that kind of sets the scene for where we're at today. So in chapter one, we talked about that last week. Nick did a great job of kicking off that series. What we find in chapter one is that there is this guy named Jonah who is a prophet. And what that simply means is that he is identified as a person who hears from God. A prophet is somebody who hears from God and doesn't just hear from God, but also conveys God's message to the people that he places around him, okay? So he's a prophet in Israel, and his job is to hear from God and to tell the people of Israel what God's saying. Well, God comes to Jonah and says, Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is a pagan city, and I want you to tell them to repent from their wickedness, from their evil. They're just so bad. I need you to go and to tell them what's up. And so he hears what God tells him to do, and he runs from it. He flees from God's direction. He flees. He tries to flee. It says to us in the scriptures that he tries to flee from God's presence, which is a silly idea, but that's what he tries to do. So he heads out to the, to the sea, to the port city of Joppa, jumps on a boat that's headed for Tarshish, okay? That is a place that is as far away from, from Nineveh and as far away from Israel and God's presence as he thinks that he can get, okay? And so he heads out on this boat. Long story short, the boat hits this storm that's just crazy, and, and they're about to sink, and Jonah tells the guys, the sailors on the boat, hey, God has sent this storm. If you throw me into the, into the sea, it'll calm down, you'll be okay. <laughs> and the people are like, yeah, we're not going to do that, the sailors. So they try and row really hard against the storm, and then they're like, okay, this isn't going to work. So they say, God, may this man's blood, may his life not be on our heads. Well, God, we, we, we're going to trust that, you know, He's telling us the truth. So they throw him overboard into the sea. He starts to sink, and the sea becomes immediately flat. And what we're told there in the Scriptures is that the sailors, all of a sudden, they worship Yahweh, the Lord, God, the one true God. They turn from what other 
what other, what other gods they've been worshipping, and they worship this one true God, Yahweh, and they commit vows to him. The cool thing to think about is, even in Jonah's disobedience, people are coming to, to God. That's pretty cool, right? And so their Jonah is sinking down to the, to the depths of the sea. He's taking his very last breath, and this giant fish comes along and swallows him up. And there he is, alive, in the belly of this fish. That's where we find ourselves today. Kind of an interesting stopping point, right? And so that's where chapter 2 starts. But I, before we get into that, I really want to talk about Jonah as a, as a person because I've just got to admit to you that I have had the, the thought about Jonah where I've kind of prejudged him. And I've always looked at Jonah's life and struggled with him a little bit. I don't know if anybody else does that here, but I kind of tend to meet people sometimes and I try to be good about this, but I meet people sometimes and I put them in a category or into a box. Does anybody else do that? You don't have to admit to it, but okay, good. So, uh, you know, you're like, oh, they're that type of person or they're like this, you know. I remember one time I was uh, doing a summer camp and I met this person and I was like, oh yeah, that person's really snobby and aloof. Like, I don't like that person. Person turned out to be like one of my best friends, okay? So I, I remember in that moment thinking, okay, you're, whatever you think initially isn't always right. You need to be careful about that. And the same, I think, has been true of Jonah, because what's happened in the last couple of weeks is I've had the ability and the opportunity to look at Jonah's life again, and what I've realized is, up until this point, I've always looked at Jonah and thought, Jonah's a bit of an idiot. I mean, I'll just be honest with you, that's what I've thought. And because of that, I've distanced myself from him. You know, I don't want to identify myself with, with somebody I think is stupid. And so I've always kind of held him at arm's length and thought, you know, what a silly guy running from God's presence. And, and you know, he, he, he changes his mind and he goes back and forth and he seems really grumpy. And I look at his life and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to identify myself with him. But as we've gone back and we've studied him, I've realized, man, there are some pretty deep and good similarities between myself and him. And I say all of that because I want to encourage you guys this morning, don't distance yourself from Jonah. It does seem, we have the gift of perspective, and it seems to us a little bit crazy what he's doing. But the truth is, there is a lot that we can learn from Jonah's life because we all, like Nick talked about last week, have a tendency to run, we have a tendency to rebel, we have a tendency to look to other things other than God to fulfill us and give us meaning and purpose. So I want to encourage you, allow yourself to look at Jonah's life and see what it, how it's like your life. So we're continuing here with this story, and like I said, it's kind of an interesting part, place to find ourselves. There's not too many stories that start out, meanwhile, back in the belly of the whale, right? Like this is a, this is a cool way to start the story. So we're here in the belly of the whale. It's in Jonah chapter 2, and this really is the low part of Jonah's life. He's been running from God, and now he's trapped. Like, I mean, it's spiritually it's the low point, but physically it's a low point in his life. He's beneath the sea in the belly of this whale, and this is a really difficult thing for him to be going through. Now, before we go into reading chapter 2, I just need to point something out. I know that when it comes to the story of Jonah, people have some objections. I don't know what it is about the story. I guess the craziness of him being inside a fish is kind of freaks people out. But Jonah is one of those stories in particular that people are like, man, did that really happen? Is that possible? Like, I don't know if I can believe that this guy was in the belly of this, this giant fish for three days. You know, can I believe that? Is the Bible true? And I would just propose to you today, I did some reading on this and thinking about this this week, I'd propose to you 
That if you can believe that there is a God who created everything, if you can believe in the God who in Genesis 1 it says, in the beginning God created, if you can believe that, that God spoke and the planets and the stars and the universe came into being, that, that people and animals were created, if you can believe that, or anything else in the book of the Bible, in the books of the Bible, you can believe that, that God was able to send a fish to collect Jonah and take him where he needed to go. I really do believe that because this, this isn't just one miracle in a book. It's like one of a series of miracles in a book. If you read through the Bible, it's miracle after miracle after miracle. If you go on, you read the story of how God sent his son to be born of a virgin. That's a miracle. And that, that son went on to live a perfect life and he died for the sins of the world. But he didn't just die, he rose to life again. That's a miracle. Like there is miracles all the way through this. And so for us to get hung up on the practicalities of a fish being able to swallow Jonah, I think that that's kind of silly. That's just how I feel about it. And so what I propose to you is that as Christians, we believe that God is above creation, not subject to it. That's your first fill in the blank this morning. Another way to say that, and and this is something I found as I was studying this week, is that he is an infinite God interacting with a finite world. That kind of helps me understand it a little bit. As we come to Scripture, as we look at God, a good way to kind of get our heads around this is this thought that God is an infinite God interacting with a finite world, which means he can do whatever he wants. If that includes sending a fish to pick up a guy and take him where he needs to go, that's okay. So let's go to Jonah chapter 2 this morning. Jonah is a little hard to find. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to, to grab one from the seat in front of you. It's right before the New Testament, and it's in with the minor, what we call the minor prophets. So Jonah's kind of here at the back end, and I'm trying to find it right now. It's a little book, four chapters. There we go. So Jonah chapter 2 is where we're going to start out, and we're going to read the whole chapter today. Don't be freaked out, it's pretty short. Okay, so Jonah, everybody's like, man, I'm not going to get to lunch. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths of the, (coughs) sorry, into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the currents overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison's bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So here we have this prayer, this beautiful prayer, sandwiched between two little interesting bits of narration, right? You've got this, the first part, he's in the belly of a whale. Like, I can't imagine that's a pleasant place to be. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what's floating around. I imagine it's very humid and dark, right? Like, and and kind of gross. And then the last bit of picture that we have is he's being vomited. I mean, that's what the scripture says, vomited onto the land, okay? So it's kind of an interesting story here, but right in between, 
between that, we have this beautiful prayer. And in this prayer, what we see is that our main character, that Jonah has a major change in, and shift in attitude and perspective. Because what happens here is we see this turn, this slow turn of Jonah from running from God to running to God. He's running away and he's, all of a sudden he's running too. And it's not like this instantaneous thing. The beautiful thing, and this is what we're going to spend our time looking at this morning, is that we see this, this gradual shift towards God in Jonah's heart and in his life. And I love that. But before we do that, what I want to do is define some of the terms we're going to use this morning to make sure we're on the same page. Because I don't want to just throw these out and kind of have us all confused. First term that I want to let, make sure we're on the same page about is valley. I've already said that word, but it's not in the scripture, but it's a good way to describe what we're talking about here. A valley is often used in the scriptures to symbolically refer to difficulties in life. A couple of good examples. Psalms 84, it talks about the valley of Baca. That's the valley of tears, okay? If you go to Psalms 23, there's the very famous one, the valley of the shadow of death. That's the one that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you, God, are with me, okay? So when I say valley, what I'm talking about is those low moments in our lives, the shadows, the, the hard part of our lives, okay? The second word that we're going to use, and it actually is in this scripture in Hebrew, uh, sorry, in uh, Jonah chapter 2, is Sheol. Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. It's a, use, uh, it's a word used in the Old Testament. It's Hebrew, and it's used to describe the place of the dead, okay? So if you hear this word Sheol, it simply means the place of the dead. So here's Jonah. He's gone from running from God's presence to turning towards God. Now, I already mentioned this, but I want to make sure we're clear on this. Running from God's presence is a very, very, very futile thing to do. It's pointless. It's useless. You cannot go anywhere and escape from God. Nick mentioned this last week, and I want to make sure you're very, we're very clear on this again. Because even if you're in the belly of a big fish, you can't escape God. And what we see here is a beautiful picture of the scripture of Psalms 139. Nick mentioned this scripture, but I want to actually read it for you this week. Psalms 139 verse 7 says this, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be, be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. That's who God is. And the reality is, even if you are in the darkest moment of your life, even if you are in the pit, the valley, whatever word you want to use to describe it, God is there and God can hear you. And so I just really want to make sure that we're on the same page with that. If you are trying to run from God, that is so futile. You cannot do that. So back to, back to Jonah, back to this turning of him. What I want for us to do is talk about how he goes from facing this direction, running from God, to facing this direction, running towards God. And I want to really do that by asking the question of what changed? What happened? Why did he go from facing this way to facing this way? And I want to go about that by first describing the things that did not change. The first thing that did not change is that God did not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Love that promise. Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that. Thankfully, God didn't change. 
It wasn't because God changed. All of a sudden, Jonah's like, you know what, God, I like you now because you're better now. I'm going to worship you because you've changed. Secondly, his situation did not change or improve. You could actually argue that it got worse, right? He's gone from being on a boat that's about to sink to being in the sea to being trapped inside the belly of a fish. He didn't know if he was going to get out of this fish. He could have just died there. That could have been the end of Jonah. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And so it's not like all of a sudden things get rosy for him. Everything's good and he's like, oh God, yeah, I love you now. You're a good God. I'll worship you. I'll serve you because my situation's improved. I'll tell you, the third thing that did not change is that his calling did not change. It wasn't like all of a sudden God comes along and, uh, and says to him, you know what, Jonah, I'm going to find somebody else to go to Nineveh. So you're off the hook. You don't need to worry about it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, God, you and me are cool again. We like each other. You know, we're good. That's not what happened. So God's not the one that's changing. His situation is not changing. His call is not changing. So what is changing? This is going to sound really simple, but what I want to uh, spend our time looking at here for the next few minutes is this. As he was drowning, what changed was Jonah caught a glimpse of reality. Jonah finally caught a glimpse of reality. And what I want to do is look through these verses and see the reality that he caught a glimpse of that made him turn back towards God. Jonah remembered the reality that God, firstly, was his God. Look at verse 1 with me of Jonah 2. It says this, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now that may sound very simple to you guys, but if you were to read back through the first chapter of Jonah, what you'd see is you've got Jonah here and God or the Lord or Yahweh, whatever word is used to describe God in that scripture of chapter 1 over here. So they're separated between, there's this separation in the language between the two. And it's profound what happens here. It's like the first part of him turning towards God is simply he, him identifying himself as God's child again. So when it says that Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, those words, his God, are profound. And I want you to see, and I want to encourage you, if, if you're not in a place where God is your God or, or where you're identifying yourself as his child, if you're in a valley, if you're in a hard moment in your life, man, that is the first and most important thing is for you to see that God is our God. The second thing that Jonah remembered the reality of as he's drowning, as, as this fish swallows him up, is that God hears. God hears. We kind of touched on this already, but, but think about it with me from the perspective of verse 2. It says this, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol, the place of the dead, and you heard my voice. Now, the language changes here from he, him talking about uh, he answered me to you. He, he kind of personalizes this prayer, which is interesting. But the other interesting thing is that twice here in this first part of his prayer, he makes it very clear that God hears his prayer. It's not like he's so insulated inside this fish, so insulated by the seat that he's around that God can't hear him. I think sometimes we act like God has limited cell phone coverage, right? We kind of act like God is, uh, you're breaking up, I can't hear you, like, uh, let me call you back. Like, we, we act like God doesn't hear us, which is just preposterous. God is a God that we cannot flee from his presence, and he will hear us wherever we are, even in the pit 
in the belly of a big fish. He can hear us. And so I think that that's just so encouraging for us to think about today. There's a commentator, a a theologian, who wrote this about this passage. He said, The heavens are equally accessible from every part of the earth. I love that. Isn't that just a good reminder? The heavens are equally accessible from every part of the earth. That's by Matthew Henry who said that. So it's really interesting to see here that God can hear us. And and maybe that's what you need to hear this morning is that God hears your prayers. You may be in the valley. I know that in those difficult times, sometimes it feels like we're praying and our prayers literally hit the ceiling and bounce back down to our feet, right? Like in the midst of the hardship and pain, like it's hard sometimes. But you need to know that this God that we love and serve is a God who hears. The scriptures make that very clear. Thirdly, Jonah remembered the reality as he's there in the belly of this whale, in the belly of this fish, that God was supreme above all that was going on. He's supreme above all that's going on. Now, this is interesting because if you look at the language here, I'll just give you one example. In verse 3, it says here in verse 3 that you threw me into the sea. He's talking to God. That's not true, right? The sailors threw him into the sea. Like the, the guys on the boat, they threw him into the sea. But he says, interestingly, you threw me into the sea. And the reason he does that is because all of a sudden, like I said, Jonah's got reality back again. He's seeing rightly again. And as he sees rightly, he understands that God is supreme. He is sovereign over all things. And the fact that these men threw him into the sea is because God enabled and allowed that to happen. And so what happens here is we see that God is above all things and all situations. Now, I'll be really honest with you guys. I've lived a life to this point that has been very blessed and very fortunate. I, I don't have a whole bunch of crazy stories. I, I don't have a, you know, one of those testimonies that everybody's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, like, that's not my life. But to this point, there have been moments and valleys of, of, that are hard to deal with. One of those valleys happened several years ago when uh, my son was born. So we went up to the hospital to deliver our kid. We didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl. We decided not to find out. We went up, and uh, we were in the hospital. Uh, Liz, my wife, was coming to the end of labor, and, you know, a lot of excitement, all that was going on. And what happened in those next few minutes was not at all what I had expected. Because what happened was, all of a sudden, my son was there. I realized it's a son. That's exciting. But I'm processing all that happened because I didn't get to cut the cord. And he's a weird color. And they've put him over on this little table on the side of the room. And somebody had hit a button. And there was all these emergency stuff descending on our room. And I remember in that moment being so confused and so scared because my little guy wasn't breathing. And uh, the umbilical cord had wrapped around his neck, and there he is, and there's just this swarm of people working on him. And thankfully, in those next few seconds, they got him back, they got him to breathe. And, uh, and so there was this sense of confusion and relief and I was just scared out of my brains. I, don't know, I really don't know how to articulate how I felt, but it was really scary. That's probably the best way to describe it. And uh, they handed him back across to us for a second, and they're like, hey, you can hold him for a sec. We're going to have to take him up to the ICU unit. And um, they showed us how his chest wasn't moving, how it was meant to be. You know, it was really struggling for his breaths and all of that. 
And so Liz, you know, quickly got a quick hold with him. I took a picture. They handed him to, him, to me, thankfully, and said, hey, you can carry him up. So I carried him up, and I'm just, I remember in that moment just not knowing how to react. Here's this little kid that I love so much, but I'm not sure if he's okay. And like, I'm taking him up to the ICU. I mean, all these emotions, you guys can picture it. So we get up there and they're like, okay, you've got to leave. Like, you've got to hand him back over to, over to us. And why don't you go look after your wife? Because they had to run tests and figure out what had happened and what, what were the implications of what had happened. And so I went back downstairs and I just remember in that moment being like just holding it together and I got into the room. Thankfully, there wasn't anybody else in the room at that point except for Liz. And I just broke down. I'm not a big crier, but I'm just like crying because I didn't know what was going on. And I just remember talking to Liz and being like, she's like, is he okay? I, I'm like, I don't know. He's, he seems to be like, I, you know, I... We're going to have to wait and see. I mean, there could be long-term implications of this. Like, we, we don't know. And I can just remember the only thing we clung to in that moment was the supremacy of God. Because I remember in that moment saying, we've got to pray. And with tears in our, our, our eyes and our faces, praying with Liz and saying, God, we're scared out of our brains. Please help him to be okay. And we we're clinging in that moment that, to the fact that God was good and that God was in control. He wasn't freaked out like we were. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that story. I know it's just a short little simple thing that's happened in our lives. And thankfully, you know, he went on to be, if you've met my son Traffic, you know he's okay. Like he is more than okay. Like every moment from there, he has like gone past our expectations. He never even lost any weight. He was like the giant in the ICU up there. But uh, anyway, it was, it's just a story in my life that reminds me of the fact that God is in control. He is supreme. And what we see here is Jonah remembering that. And I want to encourage you, if you are in a dark moment, or next time you are in a dark moment, remember that God is supreme. He is sovereign. He is good. He is in control. He's not up in heaven freaking out and panicking, wondering what's going on. He is God. That is who he is. And he is in control. Got to keep moving. Jonah remembered the reality Not only that God was supreme and above all that was going on, but that God had allowed him to sink to the depths of the darkness that he had placed himself in. If you look at verses 5 and onwards, what you see is that the waters, he uses these language like, the waters engulfed me up to my neck, seaweed wrapped around my head. I like that one in particular. Uh, As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Now, interestingly, he doesn't say, God, please, Save me. Get me out of this fish. God, please help me to live. I want to be able to live more life than I have. He doesn't say that. He surrenders to God and he actually goes on in verse 9 to say, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That word sacrifice simply means that, you know, he wants to offer, um, he wants to offer up something for the things that he's done wrong. And this is his way of saying, I realize that I've put myself in this situation. Now, it's interesting for us to note that the valleys of life, sometimes they're valleys we place ourselves in, like Jonah here. Other times, like the story I just told you, it's because of circumstances beyond our control. I had no control over what would happen with my son being born. That was just a dark moment we jumped straight into without really realizing it. But here in this moment, what we see is this is a valley that Jonah has placed himself in. And he's like, I'm going to sacrifice to you because I realize this is something that I put myself into, God. 
This is something that I've messed up. And when we say sacrifice, what that simply means is, as somebody who was from Israel, what he meant by that was, I'm going to take something innocent, an innocent animal like a lamb, and I'm going to kill it. I'm going to let its blood be before you so that when you look at me, its blood covers my sin and my guilt and all the things that I've done wrong. That's what the people of Israel used to do. They'd take innocent animals and kill them so that God would be, their sin would be atoned for. The reason they did that was to symbolize the lamb that was coming, which was Jesus who died for our sins, whose blood covers our sins. That's what all the symbolism is wrapped up in this sacrifice thing, right? And so he doesn't say, I'm just going to sacrifice to you because that's what I have to do. No, he says, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. What happens here is he realizes, I do not deserve to have a relationship with you, God. I do not deserve your love. I do not deserve your favor. I do not deserve your grace. But I'm going to sacrifice with thanksgiving. And so I would encourage you that even in the midst of hardship and difficulty, to thank God for his goodness, for his grace to us. The final thing that I'd point out to you from the scripture is that Jonah remembered the reality that God was a God of forgiveness and grace. We kind of see that in what we just talked about, but we definitely see that in this key little sentence. It says, salvation in verse 9 is from the Lord. Salvation or deliverance. It can be interpreted either way. Salvation is from the Lord. And if you wanted a great way to sum up chapter 2 of Jonah, or if you wanted to actually sum up the whole book of Jonah, a good way to sum it up would be with this phrase, salvation is from the Lord. Actually, I think that'd be a good way to sum up the whole Bible. Salvation is from the Lord. And so here we are uh, at the end of the chapter, and what has happened is Jonah's gone from this direction to this direction. He's gone from just making a slow turn of, of identifying God as his God to finally being like, man, I'm, I, I need to sacrifice to you and salvation, God, belongs to you. And so we have this beautiful story, but it ends with this, this little interesting piece of narration, right? Chapter 2 ends with, in verse 10, the, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Interesting, right? I don't know about you, but uh, I kind of just have to picture that because it's kind of funny sounding. And uh, when I do that, what I'm reminded of is this. When we come out of these dark, dark valleys in our lives, these dark moments and seasons that we have to walk through sometimes, it isn't always pretty. Coming out of the darkness isn't always pretty. This idea of him being vomited onto the dry land, that, that doesn't sound very pretty. And if you've gone through a dark moment in your life, you may realize and understand that, especially if it's something you've put yourself into, sometimes it's hard coming back out the other side, especially if it's something like addiction or something that you're dealing with with your family, whatever it may be, coming back out isn't always easy. But thankfully, God is good and he will walk with us through that. So if we zoom back out and if we look at Jonah chapter 2 as a whole, what we have here is a story of a man at the bottom of his life in the valley of his life. But we also have a story of hope, a story that points us towards God's great love, his great grace, and his forgiveness, right? And what it does is it reminds me of another story of another man in the darkest moment of his life, Jesus. Because what it does is it reminds us that all Scripture points us back towards his story. We've talked about that many times here. You can look at... 
any story in Scripture and see Christ coming through in this. And what we need to see here and remember here is that Jesus is the greater Jonah. That's your fill in the blank there. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Unlike Jonah, Jesus went through the darkness for something he did not deserve. But like Jonah, Jesus emerged out of the darkness three days later. We talked about that last week. So what I find really interesting, let's put like Jonah and Jesus right beside each other here for a second. If we look at Jonah's life, what we see is a man who in the darkest moment of his life turns and surrenders to God. And out of that, as we're going to read in the next few weeks, a whole big city, actually the biggest city known at that time, Nineveh, was turned towards God. Thousands of people were saved because of Jonah surrendering to God in the darkness. But if we also look at Jesus' life, and he's in the darkest moment of his life, where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he's like, God, I really do not want to go through this. If you can take this cup from me, let it be. And, and he says, but not your will, my will be done. And he surrenders to God in the darkness. As he does that, he overcomes death and sin for all of eternity. And millions upon millions of people are saved by Jesus surrendering to God in the midst of darkness. And I find that hugely encouraging. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with this conversation today about Jonah chapter 2 and this kind of obscure prayer from probably the most obscure place in all of history, the belly of a fish? Well, if you're not in a relationship with God, I have one thought for you. If If you're not a Christian or a Christ follower, thank you for being here today and engaging in this conversation with us. But my encouragement to you would be to let your prayer be like that of Jonah's in verse 1, where Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. My hope is that, that for you, God would be your God. I think that's the first part. I think that's the most important part is, is identifying yourself with God. And maybe like my friend from summer camp, you need to get, let God or Jesus have a second look in your life. Maybe you've written him off and been like, oh, he's just, you know, he's just like this. The reality is God is so essential for life. And maybe you've been running from him like Jonah. But my encouragement to you would be to allow God to be your God. If you have a relationship with God, if you would call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, I have two encouragements for you. The first is this. If you are in a valley right now, if you're in a dark moment in your life, my encouragement to you would be simply to see God. In the midst of the darkness, see God like Jonah saw God. In the midst of the darkness, know that God is your God. Know that God hears you. Know that God is supreme above all that's going on. Know that God is a God of forgiveness and of grace. In the midst of the darkness, please, please, please see God. If you are a Christ follower and you're not in the middle of a dark moment, I have a different encouragement for you. My encouragement for you is to look back to the valleys of your life and to see God's hand written and all over those moments in your life. To look back on those hard times, think about them specifically and think about how God was there, how you saw God's hand and grace in the midst of those. What this looks like practically is we're going to sing some songs here in just a minute. And while we do that, what I'd love for you to do is to to just take a moment to sit or to stand and to think about those moments of hardship, those valleys in your life. Say, what are the valleys in my life and how have I seen God move? And as you think back over those things to praise God, 
to thank God, to worship God for what he's done. Because I think out of that, we can do nothing but authentically worship God for who he is, right? And so I really want to encourage you, no matter where you're at today, to see Jonah 2 as being some, not just some obscure prayer, but as something that is, is practical and that can apply to our lives, something that can give us uh, an opportunity to worship and to love God for who he is and what he's done, his faithfulness and his goodness. Let me pray for us, and then I'll give you guys some direction.